Welcome to the Platform Podcast, where we talk to coaches, athletes, experts, and real people to learn about their approaches to training, nutrition, mindset, and much more. I'm your host, Jordan Kundi wright founder and head coach of the Twin Cities Kettlebell Club, and I'm on a mission to help others build sustainable, healthy lifestyles. Before we jump into this week's episode, I want to take a second to make an important announcement about the Twin Cities Kettlebell Open. The event will still be taking place in person here in Little Canada, Minnesota on October 23rd. But with all of the craziness going on because of the Delta variant and the restrictions and travel issues for many people uh, in various places, we've decided to also include video submissions for participants who are unable to make the trip in person. So now, no matter where you live, you'll be able to participate in this competition if you choose to register. You'll be able to submit your videos until midnight central time on October 22nd, and you'll still be eligible for all of the same prizes as our in-person competitors who will compete on Saturday, October 23rd. Just go to our website, TwinCitiesKettlebellClub.com, and choose the online video submission option when you complete your registration. You'll find all the details um, coming to that page shortly. Thank you very much for your ongoing support, and I really look forward to seeing you hopefully in person, but if you can't make it, please feel free to participate virtually, and may you put your best effort forward on the platform. Thank you again. All right, with that aside, my guest this week is Lorraine Peychaud, the co-owner and coach of Swanson Mountain Fitness in British Columbia, Canada. And I'm very excited to have her on. Uh, we dive into her background, how fitness activities of all kinds became her vice, and how she has changed her nutrition to support her incredibly high activity level. Um, I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. And as always, I'm incredibly grateful that you listen to this podcast. The best way you could support me is to register for the Twin Cities Kettlebell Open and maybe tell a friend or two. And if you haven't already, please be sure to leave a five-star review and rating uh, for the platform podcast in your app of choice and support my work by supporting our sponsors whose affiliate links you'll find in the episode notes. And of course, if you want to step on the platform and complete in kettlebell sport, please reach out to me. I help athletes of all levels reach their goals without wasting time using my integrated online coaching approach. You can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Twin Cities Kettlebell Club or email me at TwinCitiesKettlebellClub at gmail.com. Now, let's step onto the platform with Lorraine Peychaud. All right, welcome into this week's episode of the Platform Podcast. My guest this week is a long-awaited one for many of my Canadian listeners. I've been told I can't even tell you how many times that I need to have this person on. Her name is Lorraine Pasha. I, 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 God dang it, Pasha, and I just asked you how to say it, and I totally butchered it still. Anyways, she is the co-owner and uh, co-head coach at Swanson Mountain Fitness. Swanson Mountain Fitness, excuse me, um, and that is up in British Columbia, Canada. So welcome in, Lorraine. Thank you so much for coming on. 
Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. So first, uh, for people that don't know, we, we do have to give an update because there's massive forest fires going on around you guys. And so we were talking before we started recording. I just wanted to give you a chance to, to you know, say how things are going, making sure is everybody okay? Are, are people doing okay? Are you guys still, still safe right now with, with the current state? Yeah, we're still safe right now. Um, both myself and Todd are currently on evacuation alert, meaning we are still safe at our homes but um, that could change at any time. The fire is still about 20-ish kilometers away from us, um, but the um, concern is the ember showers that are happening. So yesterday I had uh, chunks of burnt tree things falling in my driveway about the size of my hand. So it's definitely scary out there. There's a lot of people around us that have been evacuated, um, but you know, they're doing what they can to keep us safe and try and stay on top of it and get us out with enough time if necessary. So yeah, it's definitely surreal. I've never experienced anything quite like it before. Well, it, sound, it sounds really scary, but you have, uh, you know, thoughts, the thoughts and well wishes of everyone out there. And if there's anything people can do to help, you know, let us know. But uh, we're, think, we're thinking about you guys. It's kind of becoming too regular of an occurrence right now. It's a little bit scary. Yeah, yeah sure. So I asked you on because, you know, everybody tells me Lorraine has just an awesome story. You, you have to have Lorraine on. She's got she's got this awesome story, uh, which we, I definitely want to get into. But but first, how how would you describe uh, yourself? Like, what what do you do? Why, you're a kettlebell lifter. You're a power lifter. You do all sorts of stuff. So, like, how do you describe yourself when it comes to, to what you do for fitness? Uh, gosh, it's hard to say it. Uh... I basically at the end of the day, like I like to challenge myself. I like to see what I can push my body to do. Um, and honestly, a big part of why I do what I do is so that I can show other people what they're capable of, because, um, I don't have a fitness background. I did not grow up athletic at all. In fact, I was the exact opposite of that. Um, and you know, we all have our things that we go through in life and, uh, working out became one of um, my vices that helped me through a lot of my hard times in life. And so I love doing it and showing other people that they can be strong too. And there's more than just one way of working out, be it kettlebells or powerlifting or boot camp or yoga or obstacle course racing. I do all of those things and I love them all. Um, yeah, that's kind of the basic of it, I would say. Awesome. And you, you chose a really interesting way of positioning that you said lifting became one of my vices. I have never heard someone say lifting is a vice for them before. Why did yeah. you choose? Why did you choose that, that word? I, I don't know. It just came out. Of my mouth. <laughs> I, don't, I don't often think before I say things. <laughs> oh, I, I can understand that. My, my mother, my mother used to tell me on the highway from the, my brain to my mouth, there's not even a yield sign. It just, <laughs> just free, free flows out side. Yeah, it happens. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you, you are a pretty accomplished, uh, kettlebell sport lifter at this point. Um, what are, what are your, what are your ranks that you've achieved so far, um, at, at this uh, point? Oh gosh, I have achieved rank one in both 12 kilogram biathlon and triathlon. Um, and I hold CMS rank in 16 kg long cycle and snatch. Nice. And what weight class do you compete in typically? Um, just, I don't know. I don't remember what the weight class are called. Uh, I'm like around, I kind of bounce 
just over and just under the 66 kilogram mark. So okay. I know. So when we're so when we're talking double sixteens, you're you're basically doing half your body weight when you're doing yeah. a double long cycle, right? Yeah. So to just so to my- give people context that aren't super familiar with with kettlebell sport, <laughs> like it's a pretty high percentage of your body weight that you're doing a lot of reps with for ten minutes unbroken. How many reps did you hit in long cycle? My my best set on long cycle is a hundred and six on the sixteens. Wow. That is, uh, that is some pace. That's anything over 10 RPMs is, is it's, pretty, it's pretty serious weight. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Well, that's great. How about, and you said you do all the other stuff too, powerlifting, Olympic lifting, kettlebell, or kettlebell sport. You do obstacle courses, right? Like you've got a Spartan race sign behind, behind your, your right shoulder, which people, people can't see on the podcast, but, uh, you know, so, so tell me a little bit about that. How did you get into obstacle racing? Um, well, actually my fiance, Ryan, um, he has been involved in Spartan race for, uh, quite a few years. And before I met him and when I met him, uh, running an obstacle course race was one of those things I'd always kind of wanted to do. And so when we started dating, uh, gosh, I can't even remember. It was maybe like a month into dating and I got an email notification saying I was signed up for, um, both the sprint and the super race in red deer that year. So I'd wanted to run one race that year. And I think I ended up running, uh, two, five, six, seven races. And I did a hurricane heat in my first year of running obstacle course races. So, um, I did my, my first race. I, so I did two races in red deer that year. Uh, I think this was 2018. And then, uh, in Kimberly, uh, I did the whole trifecta weekend. So I ran the sprint the first day, the beast, the second day, the super, the third day. And then, uh, right after my race for the last day, I just got off the mountain with time to use the outhouse and then go back out on course with my son to run his first race. Um, so yeah, that was a lot of Hills. It was Hills on Hills on Hills that weekend. Yeah, and, for yeah. sure. So, all right. So you gotta, you gotta forgive me. Like I, I know only a little bit about the obstacle race distances. I I've, I've had it explained to me before by somebody who's very serious about it. And I don't remember what they are. So what's, what's, what's a sprint distance. What's a super distance. Like, I don't, I don't remember what the distances are. So a sprint is usually around five ish K give or take sometimes a little bit longer. I think now, uh, they've dialed back. So they have more specific standard distances, whereas before there was a bit more flexibility with them. Uh, super, I believe, is around the 12K mark. So talking kilometers here, sorry, yeah. Canadian. That's, oh, that's uh, all right. It's easier. Beast is uh, 20 plus. And so with the Beast, you also have 30 plus obstacles. And, and how, how many obstacles are in the other, in the shorter races? Is it like one obstacle per kilometer typically, or is it more than that? remember um it's been a couple years because you know COVID and everything we haven't ran races so um it it can vary a little bit I can't remember the exact mark for that okay Okay, cool so so you so you clearly enjoy suffering (laughs) Um, you like you like you like punishing yourself a little bit yeah Um, where, where did that, where did that come from? Uh, I mean, let's, let's go back a little bit. You alluded, you alluded to, you didn't grow up an athlete. So, so let's oh. take, take us back to, take us back to Lorraine's origin story. Like what, how did, how did you come up then? Uh, well, I grew up in Prince George, which is in Northern BC. Um, I didn't have a lot of self-confidence in myself. I got teased in elementary school. Um, You know, I was never like the first person to be picked for sports teams and stuff. So 
that kind of brought my confidence level down. So it kind of was that um, I didn't feel like I was good at it. So nobody would want me on their team. So I would just kind of avoid those doing them. Right. Like I just wouldn't mm-hmm. even bother cause I was too shy and didn't want people to think I wasn't good at it. Um, I tried a lot of different things. Like I did gymnastics for a year. I did baseball for a bit. I did brownies. I did, you know, like all of those little things, but I never, ever found something that really fit for me. Um, and high school came around and I started smoking and, you know, I had boyfriends that were older than me that went to different schools and stuff like that. So, you know, lots of trouble at home, spent lots of time being grounded. And, uh, as soon as I graduated high school, I moved out on my own. I went to hair school. Um, and then I moved to Alberta for a few months and then I ended up, uh, on the Island in Victoria. And I, at that point, I'm not really sure where I started getting the urge to start going to the gym here and there, but I started going to the gym and I really liked lifting weights. Um, I have pretty, I'm lucky I have pretty good genetics. I thank my, my family for that. Um, and so I can get pretty decent definition, especially in my upper body pretty fast. And I quite enjoyed that. So I did that for a bit, but didn't really stick with it. And then I don't, you know, it's hard to say. I just kind of went in and out it for, for a while. And then eventually it just, um, like I said, it became my vice. It was, it's my outlet. It's literally how I get through hard days now, hard days, good days, all of the days. Like it's just, I can't not do it. (laughs) If that makes sense at all. (laughs) It 100% makes sense to me. And it's, I think it's, uh, it's one of those things that it's very common. I think for, for those of us that have unquiet minds, uh, if you find, if you find a place, uh, or a thing that allows you to, to let your mind go quiet, um, that that usually is pretty addictive, I think in in a good way. Right. And you can replace bad, bad addictions with good addictions. Yeah. And especially kettlebells. Cause you know, when you're moving that kind of weight over your head, like you can't think about anything else. Like you have to think about what you're doing. Otherwise there's a chance you might drop it on your head <laughs> and that just doesn't feel good. <laughs> no, I have, I have clipped myself with a 28 yeah. kilo bell and uh, I'm lucky I didn't split an eyebrow, but I thought I was about to knock myself out. Yeah. Have you done that too? <laughs> Yeah, I have bumped myself in the head. Not with a 28, though. I haven't gotten those over my head yet, but <laughs> well, I'm a little I'm a little larger than you. I'm in a slightly different, <laughs> slightly different weight class than you. So that's that's to be to be expected. So cool. that's like my plan. <laughs> nice. Very nice. Um, so how did you actually get into kettlebell sport? Because I, I find that very few people get into it on purpose. It's almost always like they stumbled, they stumbled onto it. So, so how, who introduced, who introduced you to kettlebell sport? Uh, Todd did. So Todd and I used to train uh, at a different gym together. And this um, is Todd and- Schweb, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, so he's my business partner now as well. Um, and he, we used to train at the same gym together, uh, kind of like a boot camp style gym, but he had just started getting into kettlebells at that point and had just kind of started had done maybe a couple competitions when we first met. And so I kind of like seen him doing it in the gym. I was like, Hey, that, like, that doesn't look that hard. Like I could, that. <laughs> I'm strong, like whatever. And then, uh, eventually I tried doing, he kind of programmed me for a little bit of like one arm with, I think a 
I think he had an extra 10 kilogram bell that he let me use and it was awful. <laughs> it was awful. It was not as easy as it looked. It was terrible. Uh, it felt awful. It made me want to cry. <laughs> and, um, so but naturally you were hooked. Naturally, I continued to do it. Well, I didn't take it super seriously to start. I kind of did a little bit here and there um, that uh, kettlebell challenge Facebook page. Um, I did a few of those lifts here and there, didn't take it super seriously. Um, but then when Todd and I got the gym space, um, and you know, Todd has had a love for kettlebells for a long time and it's super important. And, you know, we really wanted to help grow the sport. So our first year of, uh, having our gym, we decided that we were going to host the North Okanagan kettlebell open. And, uh, so that was when I was like, okay, well, if we're going to host a competition, like, I guess I'm going to do my first comp, right? I do not recommend competing in your first competition at the same time as also organizing and running your very first one, <laughs> a little bit stressful. Um, but yeah, so that's when I started taking it seriously, um, and doing more specific programming for it and stuff. Um, what, what, what year was this? So when did you guys, when did you guys open the gym and when was the inaugural North no uh, That would have been, so this was our third year. So 2019. Okay. So I've only been lifting seriously for years. Okay. Now I low key hate you a little bit. Cause I've been, I've been doing this. I've been doing this for almost a decade and you're way more accomplished than me in just a couple oh. of years cranking on it. Uh, so I have a Todd's a really great coach and, um, you know, uh, his coach, Charlie, uh, has helped, uh, and you know, we got our East, our West coasters out here. Like Carissa is awesome. Catherine, um, Rachel and Solly, like there's some really, I mean, the whole kettlebell community is just full of amazing people and, you know, it's super easy to reach out, but, um, I put in the work, but I also have really good people to help hold me accountable to it. So. Yeah, for sure. British, something special up in British Columbia. You guys, yeah. uh, you guys have a lot of high level lifters come, coming out All the there. smoke we breathe. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently something, something in the water or something in the air. Hopefully it's, hopefully it's not that, but man, that's, uh, that's pretty impressive. You guys do have a really, you guys do have a really, really good crew up there. And so how is, how is the, the gym growth been since opening, since opening 2019? And like, as somebody who's open to gym, I know how stressful that can be. How, like what, yeah. what precipitated that dream and what made you decide to, to take the leap? So after, um, Todd and I both kind of parted ways from the gym that we had been training at. Um, we kind of, uh, worked out at, you know, like a basic box gym with, you know, your typical gym equipment and stuff. But, you know, when you're used to working in working out with a group of people and you kind of have that community, right? Like you have the people that go to the gym at the same time as you, and you have people that kind of push you and challenge you. And you're, you know, if so-and-so is beside you that day, you're, probably more likely to work a little bit harder. Right. So we had kind of, uh, missed having that. So, uh, Todd and myself, and then we had another friend of ours who, uh, moved to the lower mainland now, but the three of us got together and we started taking turns each week, um, creating workouts basically to try and push the other ones over the edge, like <laughs> try and beat each other. So every Saturday morning we would get together, um, and we would try and make each other throw up basically <laughs> and just bring back that sense of community and love. as friends do of course yeah and 
So we started doing that. And then we started getting like this group of people that just started coming out and we called ourselves, uh, the Armstrong fitness elite. <laughs> so if you ever use the hashtag AFE, that's what that is. Um, and yeah, and then we would like, we would literally be outside Saturday morning, rain, snow, shine, plus 30 degrees Celsius minus Celsius. Like I'd have my little guy. He was like, I don't know, three at the time in like all of his snow gear in the middle of winter, like all bundled. And we, we did not miss a single Saturday. And we were always like, Hey, wouldn't it be cool if we like had heat or a bathroom to use? <laughs> uh, and then this space just like came up for lease. And Todd was like, what do you think? And I was like, do you have enough overhead? So he put his arm up and I was like, well, basically why the fuck not? Right. Like we were both in the position to try and the worst that could happen is it didn't go anywhere. So we took a re took a risk and, uh, we opened the space up. My fiance is a genius when it comes to organizing and designing things. And he helped us to make the space more than what we could have ever imagined it to be. Um, and then Todd's wife too, you know, Todd or Marlene and Ryan kind of helped keep Todd and I a little bit more <laughs> grounded. Cause we're like, let's lift all the things. <laughs> and Marlene's like, okay, you guys need like insurance and stuff like okay you can't just like have fun all the time so um yeah it worked out really good we had a really good team to start everybody that had been coming with working out with us on Saturday was a huge support with us to help get everything going um and you know we kind of started off slow um we didn't really do a lot of advertising or anything and we've just kind of been building and then uh when we got locked down in 2020 that was, you know, a big scare for everybody, right? Like you really don't know where your business is going to go at that point. Um, and so when we got the notice to close down, Todd and I took the remainder of that week, I think it was like a Wednesday or Thursday and we figured out what we were going to do. So by the next week we were ready. We ran live zoom classes every day. Um, I reached out to all our members and, you know, if, you need to put on hold or whatever. Um, we can do that for you. And we managed to pretty much retain all of our members through our entire shutdown. We ran classes every single day, business as usual. Um, and then when it came back to hosting our second at this point, North Okanagan Kettlebell Open, we weren't sure if we should cancel it, postpone it or run it. And at that point, um, I believe it's Trisha out of Vancouver. Um, she was the, would have been the first comp out this way that year. And she ended up doing video submissions. So we made the decision that if we were going to do it, we wanted to make it as much like an in-house competition as we could. So I was like, if we're going to do this, like, let's do it. So I'm like flightless, like, like all of it as much as we can. Cause everybody was missing that, right? Like those yeah. pre jitters, you know, like all of that. So I was like, Oh, let's just do it. And so we did it. And it was a real, it was such a good turnout. I think we had, um, I can't remember how many, I think we had a, about 50 lifters. We had lifters from seven different time zones and creating a time, a flight list for taking into consideration that many time zones is next level challenging for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was a really great turnout. Um, and I think it helped kind of bring back that excitement of co 
uh, competitive lifting again, right? So it kind of started a trend. And so uh, that's the one cool thing about all of this is, you know, with our sport, it's helped give people more options to lift in places that maybe they wouldn't have been able to lift before, right? So I think that's really cool that we get to be a part of that. Yeah, absolutely. You guys were, you guys were, I mean, I don't know if you were the first, but you probably were, if you weren't the first online competition, you got, you have to be, you have to be in the, in the, in the top three or something, because there was not a lot of people that, that had already started running zoom classes. Like I pivoted to zoom classes right away, but I didn't run any competitions or anything. I was just, I was just running, I was just running classes. Um, but that's, that's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So we were pretty stoked about that. And then, um, Right after that competition, we were able to open our doors back up and we actually have expanded our gym in the middle of a, so we now, uh, we went from having one level to two levels. And so, yeah, we're still cruising, still growing, still lifting. (laughs) Nice. Fantastic. I'm hoping the Olympic lifting uh, with the bumper plates happens on the first floor so that you're (laughs) not not banging them on the second floor. (laughs) That's the Nice. That's, that's fantastic. And so you just had the, you had the third one was this year, right? Yes. And yeah. how did, and how was, how was that, that turnout? Cause you got to be able to be, be in person for that one for yeah. at least people who are in Canada. Yeah. We had uh, an in-house on the one day and then we did the live uh, through zoom again the following day. And we had um, our, I can't remember how many lifters we had now off the top of my head, but it was our biggest turnout yet. Um, and we were super lucky because, uh, Dennis, the Dennis actually asked us to host the Canadian nationals this year, which was a huge honor. And I remember when he first sent Todd and I the message asking us if we would like to do that, I would like read it out to my members and I would like, look at my heart rate and my heart rate would go like so high. I was so excited. And he just sent such a nice message. So that was a really awesome honor to be able to do that this year too. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the platform podcast. We interrupt this interview to share some exciting updates about the Twin Cities Kettlebell Open happening October 23rd here at the Athlete Lab in Little Canada, Minnesota, in the heart of the Twin Cities, and now also available to compete in online via video submission. 27 Degrees Apparel has finished designing our event t-shirts and has given us a discount code TCKB10 for 10% off all of his apparel, and those shirts will be customizable by pre-order up until a couple of weeks before the competition so you can check out the website for details on that we also have two belts from dennis vasiliev at belevator as well as six pairs of ursus barefoot athletic training shoes which are my personal favorite for snatch as well as deadlift and gpp and our friend Nikolai Pushlov from the Seattle Kettlebell Club is providing his new Made in the USA Pro Kettlebells for competitors to try out and use on the platform if they choose, as well as support from Gaspari Nutrition and others. And if you have any other ideas or connections to interested sponsors, please reach out to me. And don't forget to register for the event on our website, TwinCitiesKettlebellClub.com. Now, let's get back to the interview. Yeah, 
was fantastic. And you guys had some really cool prizes too, like the 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 kettlebells that were customized. You had Wolverson kettlebells yeah. customized with the the Swanson Mountain logo on them, which are yeah. really cool. I saw Doctor Kettlebell uh, Eric Saint Ange uh, got, <laughs> got one of those, and he he posted it in the group chat, and I was like, "Fuck, that's cool." <laughs> He won the 24s and Andrea won a pair of 16s. They both threw down some pretty epic lifts for comps. So yeah, earned. <laughs> yeah, they were definitely earned, not given. Those yeah. are those are those are very very cool. So are all your bells there? Are they all Wolverson, or do you have a smattering of brands? We have a mix of Kings, Wolverson, and Bells of Steel. Um, we're um, actually the first North American uh, distributor now for Wolverson. Uh, bells so oh, we're, nice. we sell them through the gym and we're looking at getting more of a stock of their equipment and they're super nice bells so nice so are you are you a wolverson a king's or any bells any day any platform anywhere i don't care i mean what's your what's your preference honestly i'd like to be like yeah whatever i'll lift anything but i'm a bit of a wolverson snob now <laughs> <laughs> it's totally fine i i get it i like i try and foster the attitude of like any any bells on any platform any day like that's my attitude but i mean given my choice like you know give it give it your choice everybody's got a preference right i'll be happy about it <laughs> very nice i don't think I've, i don't think i've ever really ever actually laid hands personally on a wolverson bell i hear that they're really nice but i've never i've never actually gotten to lift one how do they compare to the to the kings um the windows just shaped a little bit differently so like the kings and even the bells of steel they're uh, a little bit more square and these are a little bit rounded so for me I find I can especially um talking for like long cycle and snatch mm -hmm. uh, I can get uh way faster insertion so my snatch has improved tremendously with it so nice fantastic so let's <laughs> We've we've got to we've got to talk about the hot buns thing. Um, <laughs> you've got you've got to explain you've got to explain uh, where the hot buns things thing comes from. Uh, well, basically, it's my uh, my last name is French. It's Pecho, and it translates to hot buns. Yeah, <laughs> and it's <laughs> or, and it, hot buns. <laughs> and it says it says it says pain on your on your on your lifting belt right on the on the back of your lifting belt. Yeah. Uh, a custom belt lab of champions uh, made it for me it says the pain on the back of it and joke is partially because people complain that I bring them pain but I think they're being dramatic and also it's the first part of my name so basically it says the bread on the back of my <laughs> the bread I am the bread <laughs> that's that's fantastic i love that um I, I have to i also wanted to ask you about your tattoos because uh you have some really really awesome tattoos right your your back your back piece is is fantastic and you've gotten some you've gotten some pub for that uh recently uh tell us a little tell us a little bit about that about my tattoos yeah well, I don't, I, I like tattoos. <laughs> well, do, is there, is there any, is there any, uh, any particular story behind it or, or how you, how, I mean, how did, when did you get your first tattoo? That's always an interesting when story. First tattoo I got on my 18th birthday and it's one of the little tiny little symbols on my shoulder. Basically, if you weren't up close to it, it would have looked like I had a bug on my back. Uh, but then from there, I pretty much uh, have gotten a tattoo almost every year since I was 18. And uh, certainly all of them have their own meaning. And the thing I like about tattoos is they're like, even if the image itself doesn't necessarily mean something to you personally, like say you do like a pick and stick, right? Like you go into tattoo shop and you pick something off the wall and you put it on. I don't really have, I have one tattoo like that. 
all of my other tattoos have had a lot more thought process put into them, but you know, they're like, when I look at my tattoos, they're like a timeline of my life. So um, I can look back at a specific one and remember, you know, where I was at in my life at that point and see how far I've come. Right. So I think that's really cool about tattoos. They're beautiful. It's a, a good way to uh, display artwork on your body too. Right. Like there's so many talented artists out there. And so it's an honor to be able to have that artwork just there. And I just, I just love them. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm with you. I, I, I love them too. I, I only have four currently, but I, I want, I want many, I want many yeah. more. Right. And they're all, they're all symbolic of something or important to, you know, if all yeah. of them, I don't have any pick and stick ones yet, but uh, yeah. you know, they're, they're, they're all, they're all important kind of in their, in their own way, which is, which is one of the things that one of the things that I love about them as well. And in, in addition to the, in addition to the beauty part of it, but like, like, I think yeah. you really said it well, like, it's like a, it's kind of like a, like a, a road sign in from your life, you know, that you get to put on your body, which is cool. Out of all of the tattoos I have, and I have like my ribs tattooed, my sternum, my <sighs> foot dude, the most painful tattoo that I have is on my finger. <laughs> really? One line on the side of my middle finger was the worst line out of the hours of work that I have to had done. <laughs> That's really interesting. I mean, that makes sense because there's a ton of nerves in your hands, obviously. A yeah. lot of sensory feedback comes from the hands, but I would, I mean, you, the, the sternum's really sensitive too. I mean, like you do sternal rubs on people that are unconscious to, to bring them back to consciousness. So I, I'd have yeah. to imagine that one hurt pretty good. <laughs> that was a spicy tattoo for sure. That was actually my most recent was sternum. It was, it was spicy. <laughs> <laughs> So, so how many, how many would you say you have now? Like, do you, do you just ballpark it with people now at this point where you're like, I have, I don't know, for like as you have into it, right? Like, cause my whole back is like, there's multiple sessions on my back for different ones. Right. So gosh, I'm probably like close to a hundred hours worth of tattoos. Maybe, I don't know. No, that can't be right. I don't know. <laughs> tattoos, maybe a percentage of my body, <laughs> not quite 50%. Maybe, maybe 50%. I have a lot of ink. <laughs> That's awesome. It's, what was that? But I still have room for more. Oh yeah, absolutely. Right. There's always, there's always room for one more. Right? And then there's always cover-ups too. Like yeah. I, th I think actually probably my next one is actually probably going to be a, a cover-up or a rework of one that just needs to be refreshed. I haven't decided yeah. yet. But. <laughs> That's, that's fantastic. So I want to ask you a question about nutrition because with the amount of output that you're putting out, like, like you went and did the crazy, the crazy Spartan race back to back to back to back. How are you getting enough fuel? Like, how do you fuel for all of the work that you do? If I'm lifting, I'm eating. <laughs> <laughs> Literally my biggest concern about this interview was making sure I had time to eat before I started talking to you so that I wouldn't need to eat while I was talking to you. I completely understand <laughs> having done back to back to back sessions before where you're just like, you're like, yeah, I can inhale a burrito in four seconds flat because I have to, I have to be able yeah. to eat that fast so I can eat and continue training. So do you have a, do you have a, a regimen that you stick to, or is it really just like anything, anything that I can, anything that I can, I can get in quickly. I'm, I'm okay with. Or, or do you have a, do you have a strategy for, for how you do nutrition? Um, well, I recently actually started paying more attention to my macros and not net, like, um, that's more just to make sure that I was getting enough, right? Like, I think when you're at such a high level of training, it can actually be really easy to, um, be under, um, 
what's the word I'm looking for? Basically to not get enough, right? Underfueled is what I would call Under, it. Yeah. Um, plus you need it for recovery too, right? Like you need it for output and recovery. And so um, I was feeling really sluggish. And so I started paying more attention to where I was actually at and tracking what I was eating. Um, and that honestly, for me has been a pretty big game changer because I actually upped my calories a whole lot from, and I wasn't, I wasn't getting enough fuel. Um, and so by making sure that I'm fueling properly, I'm recovering faster. I'm still gaining strength. Whereas before when I didn't really know, you know, you kind of bounce up uh, through your weight range, right? So you have like a higher end of your range and a lower end of your range. And when I was at my higher end of my range, I wasn't always feeling super comfortable about myself. But when I was at my lower end of my range, I was finding I was losing strength, right? And especially mm -hmm. for sport and powerlifting and stuff, right? And then you don't want to lose strength, but you also want to feel comfortable, right? So yeah. by dialing it in and uh, upping my protein more and my carbs too, like all of that, um, I find I'm maintaining um, a way better range and uh, I'm recovering and I'm, I'm still gaining strength. So I almost pulled 300 pounds off the ground last week. Oh, <laughs> oh, that's, you're going to get there. I'm sure. <laughs> I pulled it multiple times from different heights, just not fully from the ground yet. So, okay. but yeah, so making sure our bodies are getting the nutrients need is, is so important. Yeah. Do you work, do you work with your, do you work with your athletes on that or your clients on that? And with their, with their nutrition, do you coach them up a little bit? Do they ask uh, you now? I if they ask me about it, I definitely will help to guide them. Um, I'm not a dietitian or anything, so there's kind of a fine line there. I am currently taking a course on nutrition so that I can better help. Um, and I think it's important that we, you know, anybody as a fitness coach helps to uh, educate our members and our clients uh, and remove some of the stigma behind carbs yes. and like, those things are so essential to us and they're so important, but there's people are scared to even say those words. Right. But we need them to function. So, and this is my experience has been that in particular women are scared of carbs. I mean, yeah. men, men are too, don't get me wrong, but I find, yeah. I find it to be more problematic with women that just calories in general, like women, women have been conditioned to think that they need to eat like 1400 calories or 1200 well, calories. That's how I was too before. And and yeah, I was like, oh my God, like when I first started tracking, I'm like, oh, I'm eating, like, this is way more than what I've been told I should be eating. Right. But no, I, I eat close to 3000 calories a day to maintain. Yeah, right. And with, with the amount of activity level that you need to support and you have a very lean muscular physique, right? Like that requires protein that requires like, the, the activity level requires carbohydrates. Like you need that, yeah. you need that fuel. So something that's really important to me is helping to change people's mindset on that and not worrying so much about, you know, the number on the scale and also not just the macronutrients, but also the importance of the micronutrients. So when people say, think carbs, especially they're automatically like bread and pasta, but that's not just carbs, right? Like you need your vegetables and all of that stuff too. So, um, that's my goal is to make people love carbs. It's my lifelong 
I don't think that's a hard sell. I think people generally love carbs. I think the, getting them not to be afraid of carbs is probably yeah. the, the harder part. But yeah. I, I, fi- I find that really hilarious when somebody's like, yeah, I'm totally on a low carb diet. I'm like, I'm like super low carb. I'm basically keto as the, as they're like, as they're like shoveling broccoli in their mouth or something. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, um, bro, you know, those are, those are carbs. I know you don't think of them as carbs, but those are carbs that you're, that you're eating right now. Like, which is totally fine. Like, obviously broccoli is great, but it's just, I always find that hilarious when they're like, yeah, I'm eating super low carb as they're just, you know, shoveling broccoli in their mouth. I'm like, okay, yeah. sure, sure, sure. You are sure you are. That's fan. That's fantastic. I love, and I love, I love that you're, that you're, that you're open about like how many calories you eat. And like, because I, 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 cannot tell you how many how many times i've i've told especially women like we need to double your intake and they're like what and i'm like i'm like you're starving yourself like you're not going to yeah. lose any body weight until or any body fat until you actually start eating enough because your body will not allow you to drop yeah. pounds if you're if you if you're not fueling enough well and that's why i try to be open about stuff like that so that you know people are aware right like you eat the food <laughs> eat it. <laughs> yeah. You're, you don't have, and I've always, I've always found it interesting that there's this like, well, I have to, I have to earn my carbs. I'm like you're not a, you're not a dog earning treats, right? Like yeah. you get carbs because you're human and you need them to function. Like your brain functions on mostly carbohydrates, right? Like I don't, yeah. that whole thing always, always kind of bug. I mean, I understand it. It's the, the concept of like, you know, you don't want to have too many carbs and carbs around exercise is always going to be better for your blood, you know, insulin sensitivity, et cetera. I know well, those things. It's like what the diet industry has done, right? Like has created these unrealistic expectations of people. And then when people feel like they can't meet those unrealistic expectations, they feel bad about themselves. Right. And that's just it. Most of these things that have come out from the diet industry, it's created all these unrealistic things. And that's, it's just that it's just not realistic. Because if you're not happy with, if you're not happy with yourself, you'll keep coming back. That's the yeah. thing, right? And that's why there's the yo-yoers, right? And they try and they live in those unrealistic expectations. And then the second they have what they think is a fail day, then it's back off again, right? But it's, yep. yeah, it doesn't have to be like that, people. I promise. <laughs> So how, so what do you, so what do you focus on? Because you, you've clearly gone through some of that, that darkness. I've been, I've been in that place, you know, too, where I was doing some of those things, but you you Uh, clearly kind of come through that now. And so what do you focus on? How do you, how do you like mentally refocus? Um, like as far as like nutrition and stuff goes, well, and- just, just expectations, like getting rid of the unrealistic expectations. So what, what have you replaced that with? Like, how do you, how do you measure, like, what makes you happy uh, with, with how you, is it your performance in the gym? Is it how you look? Is it like, what do you, what do you, what do you gauge? Well, I think all of those things play a role, right? Like how you look, how you feel, how you perform. Those are all obviously super important things to any athlete on any level, right? Like those are kind of the things that we live for. So all of those things play a role. Um, and I just, you know, it's, it's really not difficult. It's not hard. It's just, you know, you eat smart, right. And you don't have to eat only healthy foods all the time. Right. Um, you can still have treats, just, uh, make sure that your body still has all those other important things like your, uh, micronutrients so that you have, you know, a healthy guts, that can handle when you have a piece of pizza, right? Like, um, so yeah, just eat smart. 
<laughs> it's not easy. There's actually a book called Eat Smarter that I recently read by Sean Stevenson. And, and no, I'm not paid to say this, but it's a really great book. Um, it's a really easy read and it just, it just makes sense. And it doesn't go all about, you know, you can only eat between these times or you can only eat fat or you can only eat carbs or protein might kill you or, you know, like these <laughs> great things, right? Literally somebody could be like, if you just drink apple cider for eight days, you will lose 50 pounds and people will do it. No, please don't do that. <laughs> please don't do that. <laughs> As I like to say, you'll also lose, you'll also lose 20 pounds. If you amputate a leg, that doesn't yeah. make it a good plan. <laughs> True. Good point. <laughs> so you guys have been really um, instrumental in growing the sport in Canada. Like, and I, when I say you guys, I mean the club, Swan, you know, Swanson Mountain, you, Todd, right? Um, what, what do you see as kind of the, the next steps that need to happen to take the sport to the next level? Oh, gosh, I'm not even sure. It'd be really cool to have it at an Olympic sport. <laughs> For sure. Right? That's the end goal. Make it happen. <laughs> but how do, how do we get there? What do, you, what, do you think, what do you think are the issues that, that we have in the sport right now? Like, how, like, first, how do we just get it more popular? Because like, how, do we get more, how do we get more people in it? Because we've made some headway in the past, in the past year or two. But I'm, I'm curious what, what you think the, the, the next steps are to take it to the next level. Yeah, sure. I think just um, continuing to share with people. Um, you know, it's kind of like we said before, you know, it's kind of a, a tricky sport to get started in, right? Um, and then to have somebody want to come back, like it's it's not everybody, it's not everybody's cup of tea, right? But it's <laughs> I don't I don't know. I'm not very good at selling the sport sometimes, maybe. <laughs> Sometimes I describe kettlebell sport as a toxic relationship. You can't quit. <laughs> Great. I think that we'll put that on a bumper sticker. Great. Um, but yeah, I think sharing it um, and just continuing to grow. And um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know a lot of the politics behind it and stuff. I like, I've only been seriously involved in kettlebell sport for, like I said, three years. So I don't know all of the history that backs it and stuff, but anything that I can do to help grow the sport, I am game for whatever it is. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure out like, what's the right way to explain to people, like, because I feel like part of the barrier of entry is for, for a lot of new people, it looks super intimidating and I don't want to lie to them and be like, no, it's not that hard because it's fucking hard, <laughs> right? but the hard so, is what makes it great. So I'm like trying to figure yeah. out like, how do you, how do you sell that to a new person that's interested without scaring them off? I, like, what, I like, how do you thread that needle? Like nothing is out of all the things that I do and have done, there isn't anything that is as hard as a 10 minute set. There isn't anything. And when you get to that ugly part where you're at like minute seven and it's just awfully delightful and there's just nothing else that compares to that. And then when you can complete a 10 minute set, there's nothing in the world that compares to that feeling of accomplishment when you've completed. Right. So, and the, the type of training and stuff. So when I go and run an obstacle course race or do something like that, like it helps me work through all those other things too. Right. Cause it, it makes you stronger, not just physically, but mentally too. Right. So it, it's like everything all in one, like you don't need to work for work out for an hour. I can give you a 10 minute 
<laughs> yeah, if you if you want to if you want to meet all of your demons that live in your head, just do a yeah. ten minute long cycle set, and right. they will all pop up at some totally. at some point, especially after minute five. Maybe we should sell it to the diet industry. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I think that I think that's a I think that's a really good plan. They'll they'll figure they'll figure out how to how to how to make it appealing. That's right. Yeah, that's a that's a good idea. Please um, wait. Say ten minutes at a time. Yeah, exactly. Right. It's just ten minutes of suffering is all. You, you know, that's the fine print. You're just really gonna. You're just really gonna suffer. <laughs> Yeah. All right. So I'm going to, I'm going to ask you one more and then I'm going to, I'm going to let you go. So you have a chance to, to actually eat something again before you go back for more back-to-back sessions. Um, it's my, my favorite, my favorite question. And, you know, listeners of the podcast already know what it is. It's um, if you were, if you were given advice to a brand new lifter, or you can, or you can say, if you were, if you could go back in time and give yourself one piece of advice as you were starting kettlebell sport, what would that, what would that one piece of advice be when you're for, for somebody who's just getting started? Oh, for a new lifter or for giving advice to myself. Well, if I was going to give advice to myself, I would remind myself that one bad training session or one bad lift doesn't mean anything in the grand scheme of things. Um, and a brick laid is a brick laid. So even when you show up and you have a shitty session and you don't meet your reps or you don't make your time, those days used to really get to me. And there were days that I probably cried about it because I felt like I failed. Right. But those are the sessions that I think make you stronger as a lifter, um, that you can learn from. And you know, not every session will be like that. So now when I have those sessions, I'm actually like, yeah, okay, that's out of my system. Now I can work towards the next one. Right. And it's just, you know, it's just another, another brick on the wall. Just lay that next brick, just check it off. I love that. That's, that's a new one. I have not, I I haven't heard anybody say that, that answer. I love that. Every, every session, every session is a, is a brick laid, whether it was your best session or your worst session. I love that. Yeah. That is fantastic. How you build a wall one brick at a time. All you can do. Love it. Well, Lorraine, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you coming on. And how can people, how can people get a hold of you? How can they follow you on social media? How can they get a hold of you at the gym if they want to, if they want to become a member there in the BC area, or if you guys are offering online classes, you know, how do people get at you? Yeah. So, uh, you can find our gym on Facebook and Instagram at, uh, Swanson mountain fitness. Um, and then my personal Instagram, Instagram page, is Lorraine underscore Dawn 82. Um, I think which I'll put in the show notes. Yeah. And uh, you can also find my handle on the Swanson page as well. And Todd's as well too there. And I'm Lorraine (laughs) Pacheco. Well, Lorraine, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. We'll let you, we'll let you get back to, uh, to cranking and I look forward to seeing you on the platform soon. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Platform Podcast. I'm Jordan Cundy wright We'll be back with a new episode for you next week. Please don't forget to register for the Twin Cities Kettlebell Open on our website, TwinCitiesKettlebellClub.com. And if you have a question or a suggestion, please email me at TwinCitiesKettlebellClub at gmail.com. And don't forget to follow us on social media at Twin Cities Kettlebell Club. And if you want to step onto the platform and compete in kettlebell sport, please reach out to me. Until next time. <laughs>